Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com forward slash profaneArguments or click the Audible link on our website, profanearguments.com. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPad, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome, everyone, to the Profane Argument Podcast for Tuesday, May 9th, 2017. My name is Ray, and along with me are... Hi, I'm Karen. I'm Jared. This is Ian. And uh, we are not streaming live this week, but we do have a special guest, uh, an atheist activist who we have mentioned on the show in previous episodes. You may have seen him on social media or in the news during the Iowa caucus in particular. When he uh, questioned Marco Rubio as to whether he was going to be the pastor-in-chief instead of the commander-in-chief, which was reported on many news organizations, including Fox News, ABC, CBS, Washington Post, and Time Magazine. Uh, it's the Iowa Atheist. Hello, Justin. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's awesome to be on the show. So we're going to, I'm going to ask you some stuff about activism and because uh, we have some questions and that sort of thing. But uh, first, before we get into anything, I wanted to mention Pittsburgh Atheist had sent me a tweet or sent us a tweet and uh, asked if we were going to Posticon. And this was something that I wasn't even aware of until he tweeted us. This is the Pennsylvania State Atheist Humanist Conference. Uh, which is apparently taking place in October, what was it, 13th through 13th. 15th in Philadelphia. Uh, we are not sure, uh, Karen and myself, we don't know if we're going or not, but it is a possibility we're going to be out of state earlier in that week, so we'll see how that goes. But if anybody's interested, uh, I'm going to put a link on the website. You can take a look at it. A lot of good speakers are going to be there, uh, including Lawrence Krauss. So if you're interested... It sounds like a good time to be to be there. As for Karen, there's an airport down there too. <laughs> you want to check that out? <laughs> well, it's actually at the the airport Hilton or something. I don't know. Maybe hey, wait. So th this so this Pittsburgh atheist tweeted profane argument or you profane argument asking if all four of us were going. Well, any of us, but yes. Oh, is there a Marvel panel down there at this con? Okay, that joke bombed. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just edit it out. <laughs> Keep moving along. <laughs> Justin, you heard nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you guys should ask uh, Pittsburgh Atheist to pick up all the, the room fare and whatnot and all the tabs for the drinks that night and say, hell yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> it would be. I'll uh, only go if we're on a panel. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't think I can work at that at this point. So in any case, uh, we wanted to talk to Justin, wanted to have him on and talk to him about activism and the things he has done for atheists in general. But I guess my first question to you is going to be, how did you really get into being an activist, being active in government politics? Yeah, good question. I got to make sure I thank my wife on air right now because she has taken the three kids out of the house so that I can do this interview. So nice. uh, dear, if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, I really appreciate it. And I'll make sure to have leftovers ready for you when you get home. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it was interesting. I grew up going to church. I grew up uh, going to Sunday school. I was never given a choice in the matter. 
Uh, my dad actually sold life insurance uh, for a company that specialized in dealing with religious folks. So going to church was actually him going to work every Sunday. And the older I got, when I figured that out, I went, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> I said, my, my whole belief system was literally his way of paying the bills. And so you can't really fault the man. But at the same time, you know, as I got older and started thinking, am I religious? Do I need to be religious? Then we got married and had kids and he was up our ass about, well, are you going to baptize them? And I said, no. I said, why Why would I baptize them? You know, I don't go to church. I haven't been to church in, oh crap, at that point, almost 20 years. Anyway, when I came to terms with my own atheism and I got comfortable with the word, uh, you know, I started watching podcasts and or listening to podcasts. And I started watching YouTube videos and debates and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Mr. Atheist Pants himself, David Silverman, out at American Atheist, had done an interview where he was talking about, you know, it's all fine and dandy if you want to be an internet tough guy atheist and you want to post memes all day and talk about how shitty religion is and, you know, things like that. But where are the atheists that are going out on the front lines and putting themselves out there? You know, where are the atheists that are standing up to governments, uh, city, state, federal where are the atheists that are challenging um, Christian privilege in our schools and in our governments and things of that nature? And I just said, you know, holy shit, I could totally go do this. I could, you know, I'm self-employed. I don't have a boss that I'm afraid of firing me. I mean, obviously my wife is my boss, but, <laughs> you know, she just won't feed me for a night. But, <laughs> you know, in a nutshell, I kind of said, let's try this. Let's see if I could do this. So it really kind of just started on a whim. It was almost like a challenge to myself to see if I could do it or not. So where What's was like the, your next? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, man. no, go ahead. What's your next step immediately after making that decision? Like, wh what do you do? You know, it's funny. I sat there and I was like, okay, I don't know the Bible well enough to go out and do a debate. Um, I probably couldn't go out and uh, challenge my governor or my mayor at that point. Uh, so I was scrolling through Facebook one day. I was totally tired of updating my income log for my business. And our local newspaper, I think it was a radio station, actually had posted on Facebook that uh, a presidential candidate was coming to town. And it was like this light bulb in my head went off and it was like, holy crap, I could go out and be, be an atheist activist and ask this dude some questions. And so I pretty much checked out of work and I grabbed my smartphone and I said, we're going to go do this. Mm -hmm. And then on the drive, I went, holy shit, we're going to do this. What does that actually mean? <laughs> what am I going to ask? What am I going to say? Where do I stand? How do I do this? Wait, so you um, left the house without having a question ready to go? Yeah, I, I literally just, you know, eager wow. beaver jumped in the car. I was like, I need to go do this. And then it wasn't until I walked in the building, I was like, oh, shit, what do I say? <laughs> you know, and then I was like, do I even say the A word? And when do I say it? And how do I say it? And do I get argumentative? And do I want to, you know, drive home the angry atheist stereotype? Or do I want to try to fight that? And I have to mention that the, the uh, candidate was Rick Santorum. <laughs> oh, good, good first choice. So, Personal I mean, favorite of profane argument. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it couldn't have been like Bernie Sanders, who just, I got to say, knocked it out of the park when I asked him a question. It had to be this super uppity, traditionally white Christian male to, to be the one that I get to ask the question to. Um, since you love him so much, I totally want to poke fun at what that that experiment or experience was like. Sure, I'm um, curious. It was it was it was held at a small pizza shop. It was a national chain, but it was a pretty small pizza shop, you know, compared to most. They told us that we were going to be in a in a side room. So when I got there, I was like probably right at the time where it was supposed to start, and there were probably seven people in there, and six of them were his staff. 
Nice. And so when they realized that there wasn't anybody there, they moved us out onto the floor. Well, here you had a dinner rush and you had people that were sitting in booths. You know, they weren't there for him. They were there to stuff their faces. <laughs> and so all of a sudden he comes waltzing in under the impression that all these people are there for him. And he literally interrupts every single booth to shake their hand and say, hey, you should support me during the Iowa caucus, blah, 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 blah. And so again, the whole time, I have nothing prepared. Like I've never even shot an activist <laughs> video, let alone been prepared enough to say, oh, by the way, I don't believe in your God. So here's a bunch of questions. <laughs> wow. So poor yeah, Rick yeah. Santorum walked in there thinking all those people were there for him. Yeah, pretty much. And he just interrupts everybody's dinner. And like nobody had the nerve to tell him. You know, nobody had the nerve to say, um, there's 50 people in the room and those four over there even know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) You look vaguely familiar. (laughs) Yeah. So in a nutshell, I was sitting there listening to the comments and the the questions. And it was a lot of traditional Iowa stuff. Like, how are you going to support ag? And how are you going to do this? And how are you going to support farms? And all of a sudden, I'm like, yo. Um, I'm an atheist and I'm going to shoot a video right now. And here's my question, <laughs> you know, as <laughs> uncomfortable as possible. And it just started going. So, and the next thing, oh, you, know, you know, it was like my second question. And then all of a sudden my third, my fourth, I, I ended up with four sep, I think four separate questions from that event. And how did he answer them? And oh, as if I don't I know. Mean, <laughs> he was professionally trained. I mean, he mm-hmm. knew what he was there to say. And, and the, the longer that I did that during the caucus, the more I looked back at what he said. And what he said wasn't so incredible, but it was the fact that here was an atheist in Iowa in a place that's referred to as God's country. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a movie in the 90s where they said, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Like, mm-hmm. come on. <laughs> so I got home and I fired off an email to a pretty popular atheist blogger. And I just said, yo, dude, is this cool? Like what I did, is this good? Mm-hmm. And I went back to work and I totally thought, this guy doesn't give two shits about me. He's he's probably not going to respond. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, <laughs> reply. Hey, this is great. Do you have any more? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and it was at that moment that it clicked. And I was like, wow, like this is actually something. This is something that I should go out and do. And I should do it on a regular basis. Sure. So, That's fantastic. So when you go to these different places, I've seen, I think you have them on YouTube. You you have video. So are you just recording that with your phone? Yep. Just sticking my phone right in front of my own face. So a lot of times they don't even get to see what I look like. And that's okay because <laughs> I'm, I'm ugly. I mean, I'm really, really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the atheist community had a vote, they'd probably say, dude, just don't go out in public ever again. <laughs> don't represent us. Represent us, but on the radio. Yeah, like be one of those voice guys. <laughs> How many of them were we, were you able to hit up during the caucus there? Uh, during the caucus, every major candidate except for Martin O'Malley. But oh Martin O'Malley, God. unless you were literally on the Martin O'Malley campaign, you probably didn't even know who he was. Yeah. I tried my hardest to get in front of him, but it, my schedule didn't work out and I just wasn't able to. But at the end of the day, 20 years from now, if the whole country decides to go out and do this – no one's going to give two rats about the fact that I didn't get him. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, very high. Well, in a nutshell, it was everybody from super socialist, liberal Bernie Sanders to super conservative. Let's grab our guns and, you know, mm-hmm. take over the world. Ted Cruz. 
um, which boy, let me remind me to tell you that story. That was I was just about to ask what? How did the Ted Cruz one go? Yeah, you okay, actually so that's, that's, that picture got got pretty famous. You took a selfie with him, right? Yeah, I took a selfie with every single candidate that I talked to, and it was pretty fun. If you if you go to Google and you type in Justin Scott Iowa atheist and then just put in a, a candidate's name, you'll see a, a selfie that I took. Um, one of my favorites is with uh, now President Trump mm-hmm. because he Man. he totally ignored me, but I mean. He was looking right at me. We shook hands. Hey, you know, Mr. Trump, thanks for coming. Uh, what do you think about this? And he just stares at me and goes, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so my question was, you know, if you become president, and I had chills that went through my spine, but uh, I said, Mr. Trump, if you become president, how do you plan to uphold or strengthen the, the separation of church and state? And he starts to sign an autograph and he goes, uh-huh. He's like, by getting rid of the Johnson Amendment. You know, you know, and I... I thought, well, hell, he's got some music that he probably didn't pay for. He probably didn't pay for cranked in the background. I said, maybe he didn't hear me, and so I said, hey, Mr. Trump, did you hear my question? He goes, uh huh, yeah. <laughs> and so at that point, you know, he was already like what the seventh or eighth candidate that I had talked to. So I, I pretty much cop an attitude with him. I'm like, dude, I asked you a question, give me an answer, let's go. And all of a sudden, he looks up at me and he taps me in the arm and he says, you take care now. And he hands me the autograph and he walks away. Oh, <laughs> and so. Yeah, when I got to the Ted Cruz rally, I was definitely ready. So <laughs> to give me some context, and I could share these stories the entire time. So by all means, cut me off and be like, dude, this is our show. Be quiet. Yeah, but I really want to hear the Ted question. Cruz one. So. Yeah, so the Ted Cruz one was interesting because it was in a small town called uh, Charles City, Iowa. And this happened right after I had asked Bernie Sanders a question at a college in Waverly. So I drive up there and I start to hide my atheist shirt. I start putting my coat on because I want to look the part. I want to look like I'm a Ted Cruz supporter. So then then that way they don't try to kick me out or not let me in. And they're having it in a tiny, narrow coffee shop. And so I used to work in media. I understand that the cameras are never going to get told to move. They're going to move uh, voters before they move the cameras. So I make sure to stand right next to like the Associated Press and CNN and all those people. And all of a sudden I see the the tour bus pull up in the front. So here comes Steve King, if you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the, con- uh, I think he's a house rep out in Sioux City, Iowa. He's the one that compares, uh, he's the one that said Mexicans have uh, calves the size of uh, cantaloupes because oh. they drugs. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> the one guy. that said, He's the one that said if Obama was reelected, the terrorists would be dancing in the streets. He's the guy that also said if gay marriage became legal in Iowa, people could marry their lawnmowers. <laughs> oh, Log- logical leap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And make sure you Google marrying a lawnmower on Google with Steve King because a dude in Des Moines actually took his lawnmower up to the courthouse to try to marry it right after that happened. <laughs> anyway. So he walks in, and then all of a sudden following him is one man, one woman, Bob Vanderplatz, the gentleman that runs the, uh, I think it's called the Family Leader, uh, super conservative, super anti-gay, super anti-being nice. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Ted Cruz comes in. And so Ted walks in, and really quick, I put my phone up in the air, and I put my arm around him. I'm like, Ted, can I get a photo with you? And he's like, oh, yeah, go right ahead, man. And I'm like... <laughs> If you only knew. (laughs) Wait for it. (laughs) So he gets up there, they both speak, and then Ted gets up there and he starts talking. And he, you know, gets the the crowd worked up into this like rage and he's like, We're gonna grab our guns. And we love our Jesus. And we love our God. And then he's like, 
oh, I suppose I should you know open this up to questions. <laughs> he goes, does anybody have a question? By then, I already knew. You don't sit around and wait. You just say, Mr. Cruz, I have a question. So he hands me the mic, and uh, I, I yell out basically, I'm an atheist. <laughs> the whole room, you just feel the energy just drop. <laughs> you know? And he he looks at me, and he's kind of giving me this weird look. And I said, you know, you've said a lot of cr- crappy things about atheists. Why the hell should we vote for you? Oh. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And, like, if you go back and watch the video, you can see Steve King's eyes just go, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it was way fun. But the thing that I always like to say about this was I didn't do anything that the average American couldn't go out and do on their own. The average atheist couldn't go out and do on their own. Uh, I mean, obviously, in Iowa, we have a little bit different access. But at some point, they campaign in every state. I mean, at some point, uh, you're going to Hillary be- Clinton. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, in every state, you're going to be at least 20 minutes from a rally at any given point. It, usually the problem is that there are uh, thousands of people there. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's why it's key to try to go early. But mm. you, know, you, you kind of learn that as you go. You have to go to the small towns. But uh, you know, in the small town, I, I think, yeah, I think Iowa, you have a bit of an advantage because they do spread out and they visit a lot sure. of places because of the caucusing. Yep. We get we tend to get these big rallies and you just get absorbed by the crowd. Yep, exactly. So, I have a quick but, question before we move on. Sorry, yeah, Ray. Yeah, no, it's real. When Trump handed you that autograph back after mm. you asked him that question, was it somebody else's autograph? <laughs> I mean, because- it might as well have been. What it actually looked like was as if somebody had strapped a Sharpie to a Richter scale meter <laughs> <laughs> and then really quick bumped the table and it just went crazy. That's what it really looked like. So you didn't hand him anything to be signed. Well, I did because I got thinking about it. I was like, crap, oh, okay. I can't I can't just say, hey, I'm the atheist guy. And I looked down at the, the ground and somebody was standing on a commit to caucus card. And I was like, hey, get off that quick. And I grabbed it and I was like, hey, will you autograph this? <laughs> and then that was enough. That bought me enough time where I could hit record and then shove a camera in his face and get him on, you know, get him on camera asking a question. Oh, I was only curious because of that thing where he that kid asked him to sign the hat and then he took the hat and threw it out to the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just exactly. if he just handed you somebody else's paper. <laughs> so what uh, what we talked about on the phone earlier, I thought I would bring this up because you mentioned that although uh, this kind of, you know, got a lot got a lot of wind behind it, that you're really more interested in your local government stuff. And uh, I kind of yeah. want to bring that up because I think that's a place where anyone anyone listening to this podcast might be able to actually be a little effective as well. Absolutely. I never had a mentor in this. I never really had a person that I could go to for advice. And so it was just more a willingness to do it meets opportunity. And I just went for it. But when I look back on what I actually accomplished, yeah, was it cool to make some headlines? Absolutely. I mean, when was the last time, you know, you get mentioned in Time Magazine, but at the same time, what did that actually do? And how did that help me locally? It really didn't. It meant that every time I showed up to a town hall, there were whispers about, oh, there's that atheist guy, but nothing really got changed. And so when it all got done, somebody had joked and said, well, what's next? And I said, you know what? It's going local. It's going and applying the same idea of getting out and holding people accountable and putting them on video and putting it out to the masses that really has paid, I think, greater dividends now than anything I did during the caucus. I would encourage anybody that has the ability and the time and the desire 
and the courage as an atheist to go out and try what I did uh, during the caucus. I mean, I was actually disappointed that it wasn't repeated in Connecticut or trying to think it was Arizona or maybe South Carolina or Nevada. Actually, I think it was Nevada afterwards. I was surprised and disappointed that there were no atheist groups that tried it, that tried to go out and copy what I had done and not saying that what I had done was so spectacular. But at the same time, I thought maybe it would have inspired somebody to go try it. Mm. But that's that's water under the bridge at this point. Um, looking at what I did, what I've done locally, it's been a mix of both almost like gotcha journalism with, I guess, citizen reporting, if you will, because your average news outlet doesn't give a damn about atheist rights and they don't give a damn about Christian privilege and they don't care about the small that whole saying about death by a thousand paper cuts or a thousand cuts or whatever that saying is. They don't they don't care about looking at it on a macro level um, when it comes to our perspective, uh, if that makes sense. You know, they're just looking for the the, the big headline that's going to draw clicks on their Facebook page mm. that night. Mm. They're not looking to cover. Okay, this happened in January, and then that happened in July, and now we're putting the pieces together, and now it makes sense what that atheist was talking about. So it's up to us to go out and do that type of reporting. Uh, for example, when our legislative session got started, I was committed to f essentially hounding my local representative who happens to be essentially a young earth creationist that denies evolution. <laughs> she denies climate change and she's pro uh, using taxpayer money for uh, vouchers and for private uh, religious schools. And she's also for taking taxpayer money to pay for homeschooling without any oversight. And so town hall after town hall after town hall, I just kept showing up. Mm. But I had my camera in front of me. I had my smartphone in front of me. So she knew every time I asked a question, she was going to go on video. And uh, I may not have the most fans on YouTube, but boy, you put something out on Twitter and you put the right hashtag or get the right people to retweet it. And suddenly you have the entire world talking about it. Mm. And that may not affect her directly, but it's amazing when her aides come to her and say, Hey, did you see this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, this blogger has, yeah, this blogger has 500,000 followers and just did a story about your answer to something. So I guess what I'd like your listeners to hear is I am just a regular dude that just happens to like to go out and get in these lawmakers faces. And I realize. They are just average people like us. They just happen to have a job where they got elected to be there. But at the end of the day, they answer to us. And if they don't like that, that's their problem. Since then, my, my representative has blocked me from her Facebook page. I can't, <laughs> wow. I can't even tag her when I post a video, but I don't care because that tells me that I've done something right. Sure. I, I guess that the thing, I mean, especially if you have kids, if you don't have access to the, the major candidates, Think, I mean, as something as small as the school board, these are the people that are deciding what your children are taught. Absolutely. And so, it doesn't have to be confrontational. No. You could certainly go into a school board meeting and just say, hey, you know, I heard this is going on in another city or another state. Are you familiar with it? Have you ever looked into it? Uh, look at what they're doing in Texas with their board of education and the mm -hmm. changes that they're trying to make. You know, maybe just start a conversation about it. See what they say. See what the superintendent says. And those are places that you can, that anybody can get into. You have access to it. Maybe Absolutely. not. Maybe not in a major city. It might be harder there, but I bet you can still get in and get. Well, the best posted. part too 
best part too is uh, a lot of times those are either attended very well by people that are movers and shakers in the school community, mm -hmm. uh, the people that will actually be making the decisions, or a lot of times those, I mean, in small towns, those school board meetings are <laughs> the biggest news every week or every oh, yeah. month. And if they, if you come in and start bringing up things that don't get talked about, you just gave that beat writer who's busy picking his nose in the corner because he's so bored out of his <laughs> mind. He's all of a sudden, or she's all of a sudden going to say, whoa, an atheist? What? <laughs> and you don't have to identify as an atheist if you don't want. You can certainly just come in and say, I'm a concerned citizen. I'm a concerned taxpayer. I'm concerned about your the rights for children to learn about evolution. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm concerned that you are teaching these kids that humans rode dinosaurs. As fun <laughs> as that sounds, I don't want that happening in my school. You know, it's scary, though, how much that's permeated things now, because I was just watching a documentary yesterday on Netflix about uh, the human experience or something like that, how humans got to where they were. And they launched right into evolution, and I'm watching it, and the, my first thought was, Ooh, that's a hot subject. I can't believe they said that. And I go, wait a minute. They've been saying this for years and it's never been a problem. Now, all of a sudden, yep. it's a goddamn problem. I'm like, I can't even yep. believe that that thought hit me for one you second. You know, it goes back. Uh, go back to when Cosmos, uh, when the re, when the reboot of Cosmos aired. Right. Uh, you had, you had TV networks like bl blocking out certain parts of it. That's true. Yeah. And, I mean, that's but, scary. And he waited till the third episode for that. He didn't launch right. right into it. <laughs> yeah. He eased into it, yeah. So, so do, you, do you think that um, overall the United States is becoming more religious or less religious? It's a very good question. We talk a lot about that inside my group. We talk about that when we go out into public. I go back and forth, but ultimately what I feel is those that are religious are becoming more, I guess, publicly religious I don't feel like our country is getting more religious because as you look at the, the census numbers and you look at the Pew research and you, it's not just one study, but it's several when you start to put them together. And when you look at the decline of church membership and when you see the Catholic church mob bosses shutting churches down, I think there's enough evidence to show that even over a 10 year span, there's so even in Iowa, there are significant drops. Um, you go to some of these um, websites that tally a lot of this. The census never asks for religious information, so they have to use mm -hmm. somewhat outdated uh, numbers. But for the numbers that we have, I mean, even in my hometown, which is very Catholic, pretty much 99% religious. And of that 99%, probably 99% of that is Catholic. You see a reduction by half of what the uh, actual church membership was 10 years ago. Mm, the actual tithing is down. The actual participation yeah. is down. But I'll say one concern that I have, and it's kind of the hesitation that I, I, or the distinction I always make is even if us atheists go out and start preaching, well, you know, Pew says one in every three millennial is non-religious. Yeah, but that still doesn't mean that they reject the God belief. And they might say things like, well, I don't go to church, but I still love me some God. <laughs> And that's un and that's unfortunate, but at least they're not being subjected to the cheerleaders of a certain religion mm. where you might be able to get in front of them and change their mind a little bit. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you can start to plant seeds in their mind that why would you accept something based on faith? Why would you accept something that 
comes from a book and, and you guys have all heard these arguments. Yeah. Listeners probably have too. So I don't want to talk down to them on that, but I think that hopefully we can do our part to counter a lot of the religious nonsense. And if more of us come out and more of us become more active and more visible, before you know it, you're going to start to hear people say, oh, you're an atheist. And all of a sudden, somebody else will chime in and say, I am too. What the hell's the big deal? Yeah. But, Ooh, you suddenly, don't live in my town. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly, suddenly the 10 people that are standing around the uh, water cooler, you know, eight of them say, oh, yeah, actually, I'm an atheist too. And then the two religious ones are like, whoa, what happened here? <laughs> we thought We thought this was going to be one of those conversations like, you need to come find Jesus. Instead, it's like, I better stop talking right now. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because uh, working in it, two of us work in higher education, and um, it, but our experiences are quite different. Where I work, it's it's a lot of atheists and a couple sure. of religious people that just kind of don't preach at, at work, and it's fine. But um, I, where Ray is, there's a there's a lot more freedom to be religious there. I would yeah. say, yeah, certainly. <laughs> If I can add in there, um, I just listened to a presentation. There's a thing called Can Canterbury Forums that's held at a church in our area the last Sunday of every month. I kind of showed up late. I've only been able to make to the last two. And what they are are discussions on a variety of different topics. Every last Sunday is a different topic. And they bring in professors of, of religion or religious history from the local university to come in and speak about it. And it's just fascinating because – for me, growing up, going to church, thinking you know what you think you know, and then all of a sudden hearing a history professor say, eh, you got the watered down version of that story, or here's what they the churches didn't want to tell you when you were 14 and being indoctrinated. <laughs> they open it up to questions when the, the presentation's done. And I had the opportunity to ask uh, the professor kind of a unique question where I said, is the rise of secularism a bigger threat to religion continuing, or is it the fact that more and more people are knowing less and less about their traditions or about their religion? That was kind of an interesting question because I didn't really know what the answer was. And he said, oh, it's absolutely the second one. He hmm. said, 10 years ago, my students would show up and they would know stories in the Bible. They would understand where the Bible came from. They understood different religions that were out there. He said, students show up now and they use that whole, well, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's all they say. And mm -hmm. he'll say, well, what do you think about the great flood? And they're like, what's that? <laughs> and, and he's like, it's just mind blowing to think that that's more of a threat than the fact that just more and more people are becoming more secular. Right. So I have a, I have a kind of a different question. So you mentioned that you grew up obviously with, uh, you know, religion being just ground into you and same here. And I'm kind of curious what, what actually, if you could summarize, led you to be an atheist. For example, when I mentioned this, Jared was kind of surprised because uh, having grown up and with a religious background, it's kind of hard to get out because it's, it's indoctrinated. So, so what led you to that decision? Very, very good question. It's one of my favorite stories to tell because, <laughs> because honestly, it's not one answer. And I think a lot of believers always want to hear that, you know, because they always come at me with the, oh, you're just angry at God. And that's why. <laughs> wow. Or, I've never got that. <laughs> yeah. Or your church pissed you off. And so that's why you, you left it. Um, it wasn't one single thing, but what I can say is when I think back to it, there's a couple moments that stand out. One of them's really silly. One of them's really simple. Every morning, 
uh, every Sunday morning going to Sunday school when I was probably 12, I got into this great show called Saturday Night Live. Sure. <laughs> and so back then we didn't have DVRs. We had the VCR and you had blank tapes and we would, so we would always try to like memorize the skits. <laughs> and so Sunday school was less about religion and it was more about who could rattle off the best impression of the, the, you know, previous night skits. And that was during Chris Rock, Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, uh, all, all that, that amazing cast. And right. so while that didn't play a part in the atheism, like specifically, I think that was the part that made me say, I'm not missing anything by joking during Sunday school, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you will. Fast forward a couple of years, I get confirmed. I graduate high school. I go to college. I meet my wife. We date, you know, for a couple of years. Um, we didn't have Twitter back then and I'm a huge sports fan. We had message boards mm-hmm. and, uh, there was always a message board where you could just talk about anything. It wasn't sports related. You could bring up any conversation that you wanted. And I remember some, some dude comes on there and posts about like, God's not real and it's okay to be an atheist. And so like, I remember being in my apartment. I'm like looking behind me to make sure my girlfriend, my wife, my current wife, you know, is is like not there. And so I click it and it kind of reminded me of the first time you find that porno mag in your parents' bedroom. You're just like, holy crap. Hopefully nobody sees me looking at this, but I got a peek. (laughs) So I quickly read it and I don't remember exactly what it says, but it's something to the effect of atheism is an option. And growing up, it was more like, you will believe, and it's just a matter of what church you're going to go to. Mm-hmm. So you fast forward a little bit, wife and I get married, we have kids, and one day my dad just for some reason starts hounding us about, when are you going to baptize my grandkids? And we're like, we're not. You know, that's that's our decision. That's not your decision. You're not going to push that on us. And he just won't let up. And so it was at that moment that I said, you know... I got to figure this out. Am I religious? Do our kids need to be religious? But again, it wasn't, I need to be an atheist. It was, there's, there must be a a religion out there that I should go to. It's a matter of figuring out which one it is. I hear Scientology is just awesome. You should just try that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You know, I've actually heard Jediism is pretty badass. Uh, There you go. (laughs) How old Um, were you at this point? Um, I'm probably. 32 and I'm 35 now. Okay. Holy shit. So you got in way late to the game. Oh, I got in super late. And I think that hopefully is an inspiring thing for some of your listeners too, is that I grew up with a pretty average Christian upbringing. It was, you know, the Lutheran church, which I consider the diet Pepsi of religion of Christianity. <laughs> it's not a lot of ritual, but you show up and you still get to say you were a part of a church service. But bringing, bringing back the message board, that was kind of my best friend at the time because then I was able to anonymously post struggling with my faith. How do I deal with this? Like, can anybody give me some feedback? And of course, the Bible thumpers came out and they were saying, Oh, you just need to open your heart to the Holy Spirit and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden some dude comes on and who knows? It might have been, it might have been a woman. I'm not, I just say dude, but, uh, somebody comes on and says, you know what? Here's what you do. Get out of the church get out of the mosque, get out of the synagogue, get away from the cheerleaders of that religion and just find the holy book of that faith and just read it. Mm. And as you read it, take notes, circle things, highlight things. And if you, if it jives with you, great, good for you. You found your religion, but if it doesn't, (laughs) you know, and so I start reading it 
And it talks about on the first day, God creates light. But then it says on the fourth day, three days have passed. And I'm thinking, okay, how the hell did those days pass? And then it starts to talk about a firmament. I'm like, oh, hell no. (laughs) So it, it was a gradual change. And then I started watching podcasts. And then I started watching YouTube videos and debates and some of the the big names in the atheist world, I just listened and I soaked it all in and I feel like I couldn't get enough of it. And then one day it just hit me. It was like, holy shit, I'm an atheist. (laughs) And it was like, my hand's going to catch on fire. A lightning bolt's going to come out of the sky. I am dead right now. I better go kiss my wife and kids goodbye because it's all over. And you know what? The sun came out the next morning and it was totally fine and it was totally cool. So how how long after that do you actually mention it to anybody? (laughs) After you make that realization. Yeah. yeah. I want to say it was some buddies that I had messaged when I, uh, long story, we had owned a house in one town for eight years. We sold it and we moved back to my hometown. When we get to the hometown, I start messaging my buddies and I'm like, Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm on my, I'm on the fence with my religion or my, with my faith. You know, are you kind of the same way? And they kind of all admitted like, yeah, we're atheists and it's totally cool. So at that point I was like, okay, well, I've got this support network. And so <laughs> yeah. people thought, well, I don't necessarily need to go like super public with it, but maybe we'll start doing like meetups or something. And then all of a sudden I go down to the cop shop for something totally unrelated. I think cars were driving too fast by my house and I was scared that my kid was going to walk out in front of it. So I asked the police station to put up a speed trap in front of my house. And lo and behold, on the wall is this giant like, three foot wide by four foot tall, like drawing or painting of a nine 11 scene where there's this police officer carrying a body out of the building. Mm. And of course it has a Bible verse running down it. Mm. So now that is the moment where I'm like, okay, this is what they were talking about. Like that whole activism thing. <laughs> so I quick pull my phone out, but I try to keep it right beside me. So nobody sees it. And I snap a photo quick and I was like, Oh, there's that one F F F. F, F, <laughs> and so I look them up and I submit it and sure shit, like two days later, they have a letter sent, the picture comes down and you know, that was the first moment of like, <laughs> okay, that was pretty cool. And one thing leads to another and I finally just start building more confidence and I, the way I've compared it to people when I do ask an atheist tables at colleges, when they say, oh, you know, I, I'm not as confident as you. I always tell them I wasn't confident either. And I always use the Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man reference (laughs) where when he becomes Spider-Man for the first time, it's like the spider suit starts to wrap itself around him. I kind of let atheism do that to me. (laughs) I kind of let, I kind of let it just, I don't know, tell me where to go. If you will, I didn't go out looking for things. I kind of just let things fall into my lap and then I just reacted. And so that's kind of a silly analogy, but you're speaking my language now. <laughs> I'm a huge nerd. I love, I love superheroes. I'm not really a fan of Spider-Man, but I love that idea because it gives people a visual of slowly, but surely this will grow on you and it will become kind of a shield for you so that when you go out in public, you are no longer who you used to be. You are now this new person. You are now, I hate to use the butterfly analogy, but you are coming out of your cocoon and you are suddenly this new this new thing and it's it's in it's it's exciting and it's inspiring and it's when you realize that there are others that watch this transformation and then they get inspired by it that is honestly my favorite part hmm. that's 
hands down, I could give a shit less if I get Trump to change something now based on any activism I do. It's when I go to a conference and I have some, you know, person I've never met, I've never met before walk up to me and say, dude, I've watched you for years. I love what you do. And because of what you do, I went out and did this. That's the best part. I, I find the, the, the transformation part of it interesting because I've always been an atheist. I was raised without religion. For a while, I was surrounded by a lot of religious people. So it, that, that it was, I was, you know, certainly aware of it. And for a while, I even went to church with my little best friend, but I've always been an atheist. And I, so I never experienced that kind of transformation yeah, piece of, of atheism. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's why I, that's why I commend Ray and I commend you. But mm. man, when I actually like finally decided, you know, I was like, you know, you go through the agnostic phase, you're like I'm agnostic, yeah. and then you're like, fine, oh fuck it, I'm a goddamn atheist. I don't believe in <laughs> any of this shit. <laughs> but then you take that different turn, and like you're having, you're going to conferences and you're talking to people. I'm just like, well, I'm an atheist. That's the end of it. I'm gonna go do something else now. <laughs> <laughs> so my hat off to you, sir. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and, and that was the other thing that I got asked by some people is like, why do you care? Why do you give a shit? Like, can't you just be an atheist and be quiet about it? <laughs> and, no. and it was, and it was actually hearing stories. If you go back to my invocation that I delivered at the state house in Des Moines, I didn't sit for the pledge. And that was only because there wasn't a chair close enough, but I decided not to take part in it. And I've, I've not taken part in it for a while now, but a lot of people go, Oh, it's because of the under God, isn't it? And it's like, actually, it's because of the way that all these uh, elementary children and middle, well, middle school and high school kids are being treated when they decide not to take part in it and how they're being, uh, they're having their patriotism questioned. Mm. Screw that. Mm. So part of me not taking part in it was about that was more of a symbolic gesture towards those kids saying, you know what, (laughs) tell everybody else to piss off. If you don't want to take part in it, that's your choice. And they can't do a damn thing about it. And it didn't yeah. generate as it didn't generate quite the buzz that I was hoping for. But I did it, and it's on video, and I love it. The Pledge of Allegiance always confused me because it, it is kind of like a prayer to your country, almost. It's it's an odd thing to do. It's a very yeah. odd thing, and I don't. I've never been overseas, but when you hear foreigners, they don't do this in their country. No, I mean, unless you live in North Korea, but we don't get to talk mm-hmm. to many of. <laughs> but to pledge to a piece of cloth. <laughs> it's a little strange. It's, it's just strange. I'm just happy it's not a law right now. That's just... yeah, seriously, oh, exactly. Exactly. For Wait now. for it. It might be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, question: um, Do you you ever have the fear that you will backslide and and fall back into religion? Not at all. No, not at all. And and you know the the further from religion I get, I've started to compartmentalize religion on one side and the God belief on another. Mm, sure. Because because I don't think they're the same thing. I think the religion, the religious part is the thing that turns me off the most. I hate to name drop on your show, but am I cool to do that? I want to ask ahead of time. Yeah, yeah that's fine. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite atheists is Matt Dillahunty. Sure. Mm. And it's and it's not because he hangs up on people and it's not because he goes apeshit on people, but it's because he explains it this way. We are literally just waiting for evidence. Because when I go out, when I first went out as an atheist, people would say, oh, that means you know there's no God. (laughs) I'm kind of on the side of like, I wish one would finally show up to the goddamn party so that we could actually like investigate it and look at it. And then the next question I always get is, well, then that means that satisfies it. And I'm like, not hardly. (laughs) Because then we got to wait for the other 2,999 of them to show up. (laughs) And then we can let them duke it out. But when he says... 
you know, the God belief hasn't met its burden of proof. That's exactly what atheists should be saying. It isn't a matter of how much do you know or not know. Um, the, the visual that I give people that just they can't wrap their heads around that is if this is a football game, let's let the religious folks sit there and just beat the hell out of each other mm-hmm. on the field. And let's just stand on the sideline and drink Gatorade until we're done, <laughs> you know, until until somebody finds that there is a God somewhere. Well, the unfortunate part, though, is that they're doing that currently. I mean, uh, Islamic fundamentalism and Christian fundamentalism, they are itching to fight each other and we're just stuck in the middle. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And there is no and there is no sideline really in this no. um, this metaphor, because, I mean, obviously, if somebody pushes the red button, we don't get to just opt out. <laughs> no. Right. Mm. In convincing them to stop arguing over the one of 3,000 gods, yep. we haven't been able to do it for you know a couple thousand years. So the thought that we'll be able to do it, we can just peck away and keep progressing and keep information out there. I think the longer I've been an atheist, the more I've become an anti-theist. Mm. But I try to be a very practical one. I realize that religion and religious beliefs are not going away. I think they're too ingrained into our culture, uh, especially here in the United States. But I think with that said, we have to do everything we can to push back against every little thing that we notice. Andrew Seidel always says from FFRF, you have to, you have to fight every small battle because you never know when that small battle is going to turn into something big. I don't want to be, I don't want to start being his spokesperson, but I think that's a brilliant thing because look at that picture at the police station that I got taken down. If that remains up in a government building, that's how many more people that get subjected to that? How many Muslims that walk in there? How many more atheists walk in there and have to see that? Yeah. And have to feel like they're not part of that community. And and to be excluded purposefully. Yeah. And see, they don't see it that way. They don't understand when we say we are being excluded because that picture is hung up. They look at it like, oh, stop whining. Doesn't affect you. I like the, uh, the, the argument that seems to work the best in that case is if you, if you tell them, all right, imagine you walk into the next county over their police department and you see a picture from 9-11 and it's a guy in, uh, Muslim garb. Yep. And he has, it, there's a verse from the Quran up there. And, but it's from 9-11. How does that make you feel? All right. However yep. that makes you feel, that's how this makes me feel. We had an issue in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which is about an hour south of me a couple of years ago, where there was a fire uh, fire truck that had an image of Jesus, like standing behind a firefighter painted on the side of a fire truck. Jesus. And an, an, an atheist, <laughs> an atheist had complained about it. And so people just couldn't wrap their heads around it. I mean, of course, it was, oh, goddamn atheist. And you always whine about everything. Well, I'm a photographer full time, which means I have Photoshop and I know what I'm doing. So <laughs> I went out and created graphics that started saying in Allah we trust and started putting it on pictures of, of uh, police cars and then started putting pictures of like mosques and other things on the fire truck. But I didn't make a big deal out of it. And I just started sharing it on Facebook, hoping that it would catch fire. And eventually it did. And people kept saying, Oh, that's what it means. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's why you guys complain. It's like, hello, McFly going back to back to the future. <laughs> So that kind of leads me to another question. Like, uh, we talked a lot about the good and stuff like that, but have you gotten any blowback to what you've been doing? Like in your community, your family? So to this date, and I have no problem admitting this, that there's a certain connection with my dad that has totally died. There is 
a part with him that can't get over this. For the longest time, we didn't talk. There was probably a two-year span where he just had nothing to do with me. And I just said, well, that's perfect because I don't need to raise my kids in a toxic environment. And subjecting them to your religious nonsense is toxic, in my opinion. Wow. And that's unfortunate because you hear about it all the time. You hear about you know high school kids that become atheists and then their parents mm-hmm. threaten to kick them out. Here I am, 32 years old, married and have three kids. I mean, I'm... I guess I'm better suited to handle that. Mm. I can't imagine being 17. And that's that's another, yeah. yeah, that's another thing that drives me from my business standpoint. I've seen, I've seen a drop in the number of likes, but I haven't on on my Facebook page, but I haven't seen a number of, or I haven't seen a substantial drop in, in uh, revenue enough to warrant saying that it's because of this. Uh, but at the end of the day, that is pro- part of normalizing this thing is to get to the point where people just don't give a shit about it. They look at the the product and the service that you put out and they go, I really don't care if you believe a pop can's your God. <laughs> you know, you do good work. You do a, a good job of what you do. And that's why we're going to hire you. I haven't quite received the hate mail that some atheists get. But then again, I'm in an area of the country where... I hate that phrase, Iowa nice, but there, there is a little bit of that. Cause I mean, every time I go to a town hall, it's, <laughs> I survived a Ted Cruz and Donald Trump town hall for crying out loud. I mean, <laughs> I, I can imagine what it would have to be like to be an atheist, like in Mississippi mm-hmm. or Alabama. I told my wife, it would be a very interesting study to like strap a GoPro on me during the next presidential ca- uh, campaign and go down there mm-hmm. and show up to events saying, Hey, I'm an atheist. What's up y'all. Uh, might be a little more exciting yeah i mean i haven't come home now now obviously as i say all this you know tomorrow my house is going to blow up but i haven't experienced graffiti on my house my kids haven't gotten harassed i've been very fortunate but i also i want to say this respectfully because i know there are a lot of atheists that have gone through a lot of bullshit but i feel like i put myself out there in a different way I don't want to say confrontational, but I put myself out where I'm not running away from controversy. Mm. And I know it's a different world that we live in. If you go back to when uh, the woman challenged the school district, and I'm not talking about Madeline Murray O'Hare. I'm talking about the woman before her, probably 20 years before. I think they were doing mandatory prayers in school over the intercom, maybe. Don't recall. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they literally had to like yank their kid out of school and they tried to hide from it all. And I feel like with social media and the, and the ability to put this out there and get it out in front of all these people, uh, maybe I'm way off base here, but I feel like because I just keep pushing it and I just keep putting it in the newspaper and I just keep putting it in the, in the TV stations, people don't have a choice but to accept it. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense or not, if I'm way off base there, but I feel like sometimes there are atheists that do things very quietly and then it gets the city up worked up into a fervor because they don't have somebody to, to dump their hate on. Yeah, the, the, the tribal identification is, is uh, they, you're not, you were more easily identified as, as a tribal, not in the tribe. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost like the mob mentality wants to mm-hmm. kick in so badly, but I feel like also they, some of them kind of know who I am now. Hmm. And so I think they kind of have come to expect it. 
But well, I applaud you, man, because there have been a lot of situations where I was like, hey, you know, nah, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, sometimes well, it's, it's probably not a bad idea, but usually was, when there's alcohol involved, I'm like, you know what? I'll just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> no reason to get involved. You know, you, t- you talked about Pittsburgh atheist earlier and him and I were talking actually right before we got this uh, conversation started. And the one thing that I asked him was, do you think it would make a difference? Because right now. I'm going after elected officials and I'm going after individual like heads of government. I'm not actually attacking the religion of a group of people or of a community. Mm. But if you go and you fast forward to like, say, Christmas time, there are a lot of cities that like to put out, you know, put Christ back in Christmas, you know, big banners in their city. You wonder if the mob mentality would then kick in. If you if you challenge something like that, if you Mm -hmm. found out a city was putting on something like that, because then everyone feels like they own that. Whereas if you go and challenge a mayor, there might be people are like, yeah, (laughs) screw him. I don't like Mm -hmm. him anyway. Are you talking about like a situation where like you try to get a Christmas tree taken down from like a government building or something? Yeah, I mean, something where you are going after an idea rather than an actual person. Or are you absolutely? Yeah, you're going to see a lot of people get behind yeah. that. If you look at what I've done over the last two years, it's been directed at people. It's been directed at government officials. It's and that that might be why most people are just like, eh, whatever, atheist, go do your thing. Mm-hmm. But it makes you it makes you really wonder. Makes me wonder what happens that first time we t- try to take down a nativity scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah what if people the- take that a little bit more personally. Right, because they feel like it, it's part of their identity and it's part of who they are as a town. And oh, they absolutely oh, will. Christian persecution, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Look at just when they change it from holiday tree to Christmas tree, like at a government building, they go ape shit over that. Mm. Yep, yep. And they still get the fucking tree. The tree is still yep. there. <laughs> exactly. Well, a snowflake on their or Starbucks Starbucks cup pisses them off. I mean, <laughs> it's not the right color. <laughs> It's not obviously not Christmassy enough. So yeah, the, the, the crazy is strong in a lot of them. <laughs> so I don't, I, I kind of don't want to stop the conversation, but at the same time, there was a couple of news stories that I really wanted to, yeah. to talk about, and uh, you know, feel free to uh, share your opinion on these as well. But uh, sure. last week, this came up right as we were headed to our uh, free thought meeting. Karen and I were were going to the local free thought group when Trump. Signed the executive order last week, last Thursday, for uh, uh, basically, in his words, tearing apart the Johnson Amendment. Which uh, is not what it did, but... Yeah. Right. It was... The way it's worded is really, really bad in, in a couple different ways. So uh, we talked about this at the Free Thought meeting. The Freedom From Religion Foundation did almost immediately, like within two hours, file a lawsuit against him because of the wording of it. And the wording is very, I I can't even wrap my head around how you would word it this way after the whole Muslim ban debacle. But he specifically, it, it had wording that religions, churches should not be targeted by the IRS. So the IRS was basically instructed to overlook religious organizations, specifically Christian churches, who were in violation of the Johnson Amendment. So the Freedom From Religion Foundation sued, but I found it interesting that the ACLU put out a statement saying that they were not going to file a lawsuit. And their reasoning was because the executive order was basically an elaborate photo op 
and the words contained within were not really a discernible policy and no real good or good or bad no no big changes are going to come out of it so i found that i found that to be very interesting but i mean at the same time he's really trying to back churches uh, unofficially you know, using yeah. yeah using his executive order well he needs support anywhere he can get it Right. But I think uh, the backlash, again, the, now that he's getting from the religious community because of this is because that's what they expected, that he was going to do what he could to back them. And all he did was try to make some adjustments to the laws in which he felt he could most personally benefit from. He's like, yeah. well, I think what you guys really want is for me to uh, abolish the Johnson Amendment. Right. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like. <laughs> None of us care about that. I don't even know how that got on your radar. That's not really enforced that much as is. Why, other than for your own personal gain, would you glom onto that? They're like, we want you to let us hate the gays <laughs> openly. <laughs> yeah, he's and, like, and just give me your money and be quiet. Well, as to the, a the ACLU's decision, again, I am so foggy on these executive orders and what they actually mean and what they can actually do. Is it just a photo op or is just like this is a mere suggestion? You know, it's not a law. He can't just write a law. No. All he all he's doing basically is telling the IRS it's OK not to do anything about it if a preacher does get up and says something. But there's nothing that says that we can't identify churches that do that. And the Freedom from Religion Foundation and the ACLU can go out there and say, this preacher is doing that. The IRS should do something about it. And then you have a suit. I mean, but does the order itself mean anything? I don't like, think so. Is it enforceable? Like, I'm just, I mean, I know that's a whole other conversation. But All it is is instructions to the IRS. That's so it. it's a suggestion. Yes. Well, uh, no, I think he's given them their – it's instructional because he's their boss ultimately. They're part of the executive branch. Okay. But at the same time, the, the, the FFRF is suing because mm -hmm. the executive order specifically – would allow 503c organizations that are religious exemptions from the Johnson Amendment, which they are 503c, the FFRFR, but they wouldn't get this exemption if they wanted to back a political person right. in so, any way. So yeah. I think, I think, I think the weird thing is that the Freedom from Religion Foundation is suing and the ACLU is not suing and they're both right. Yeah. Hmm. I agree. I think I think they're coming at it from different perspectives. I think uh, and I don't know much about ACLU, but I I know that FFRF is really more sensitive to issues of and you guys know this. They're looking at fairness for all nonprofits, right. whereas ACLU might be looking at more of like, how does this directly change something that would affect people specifically? Hmm. Uh, but I, I love how you said that. Both of them are right. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Me the ACLU is currently not tax deductible because they do make political statements. So it does not impact them directly. But is FFRF, I mean, are deductions you make to them, are they tax deductible? I don't know offhand. You know, I don't know either. I'm no tax if, expert. I mean, if if you can um, you know, donate money to the FFRF and it's tax deductible, then it does directly impact them. So mm -hmm. they have they have personal cause for a suit at that point. I would I would have to imagine they are. I mean, they are a 503c, so it it should be yeah. tax deductible. So that yeah. makes sense then. Yeah. Uh, the other the other big news that I really we I, we have to hit on is uh, mm -hmm. something that just happened a few hours before we started recording. Trump. I'm sure everybody is aware that Trump fired the director of the FBI, Comey, 
Jim Comey? Is that right? James. James Comey. James. Jim. Jimmy. (laughs) Uh, Jimmy. (laughs) And the reason, the reason that was given was because of Comey's, well, the reason that was given by Trump is a little different. We'll get into that in a second. But the reason given by the White House was because of Comey's coming out with the Clinton emails eight days before the election. Well, it was for both. It was for back in May and for in October. So taking a political stance, basically, and impacting the election by hurting Clinton was why he was fired, which which makes no sense whatsoever. First and is off, complete nonsense. at the time. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. It makes perfect sense. Sure. But let me explain how it doesn't make sense first, and then you can tell me how it does. Uh, so it doesn't make sense because at the exact same time, the day after Comey came out and said that they were still investigating Clinton and her emails because of the, the Huma. Abedin. Abedin. Because of her you know, the email scandal and stuff. And that day or the next day, Trump was like, this is fantastic. I applaud Comey. He's coming out like he needs to. And uh, he was all about it because it hurt Clinton and it gave him mm-hmm. a rise in the polls and uh, quite possibly swung the, the whole election in his favor. So so how does it how does it make perfect sense? Well, it makes sense in the fact that he needed a first of all, he needed a legitimate reason to fire him. Because we all know why he's really fired, right? Uh, yes, I think okay. we do. Because he's in. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> let's just, well, let's just assume that this is what Trump's thinking is. This guy's getting way too close. He's investigating me, but I can't just fire him for that reason. Yep. I need a reason to fire him. And since this is stupid Watergate, as John Oliver puts it, <laughs> they think. Well, let's say we're doing it in defense of what he did to Hillary, and then all those stupid libtards will love us. <laughs> and they did it, and I assume that nobody's buying it. Some people are. I talked to a few people, and they're like, yeah, seems about right. You should be happy. He's <laughs> defending your candidate. I'm like, oh, shit. <sighs> it's so obvious what's going on here. I mean, the day after Sally Yates and Clapper testify, this happens. Right. Yeah. I mean, could he wait another week? Just another week he could have waited. <laughs> well, even the letter that he sent to Comey had two sentences in it. Or, okay, so the four sentences in it. One of the four sentences was, Comey told me three times personally that he is not investigating me, but I had to fire him anyway. So <laughs> so it had nothing to do with the fact that um, the FBI, led by Comey, was investigating Trump. And yet it's the only thing he says in his letter to Comey. Which, by the way, there's no way to prove that. No one has – No. There's no proof for that. Right. No. So, and the reason that this is a uh, an atheist concern, or one of the reasons this is an atheist concern, other than the fact that um, Trump is just abolishing, you know, the separation between church and state, is because the person standing behind him is Pence. Right. It's an atheist nightmare. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so, just more fight to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trump's bad it, you enough. You know, that's that's a good point. Uh, a lot of a lot of my friends in my circles have been saying, you know, what do you think about Trump being president? And I'll go on the record. I didn't vote for him and I probably would never vote for him. But that's besides the point for my activism. But with that said, I think back to the effect that George W. Bush had when he beat uh, well, when he was running against John Kerry and how that just electrified the left. And when you had groups like Move On come out and you had people like Michael Moore and whatnot. And say, you know, people can say what they want want about Michael Moore, but it brought an energy and it brought an urgency to a certain group of activists. And who knows? 
you know, they, they talk about atheists as being cats and trying to herd cats, but this <laughs> might be the thing that galvanizes us for 2020. And hell, uh, 2018. <laughs> well, 2018, exactly. But it might be too short to try to really put the infrastructure together to make a huge impact for 2018. But I hope you guys have millions and millions of listeners that listen to this. Like, get <laughs> off. No. no, seriously, get off your ass atheist and go out and do something. It doesn't have to be huge. You don't have to, you know, <laughs> go to the white house and try to uh, lead a protest or anything, but just do something locally that shows you that you can do it. You can do something and you can make a difference, but be, wear your atheist hat don't just go out and do it just because i mean if you follow the indivisible guide just imagine that that guide was written for atheists and when it talks about healthcare, just scratch that out and put in the separation of uh, religion and government hmm. all, the, all the same ideas apply not to get off track from the news but you know trump could be the best thing for the secular movement <laughs> I, you know, I hear that a lot in people uh, when uh, a lot of the commentators are listened to, but I'm just so worried that we'll be mobilized and we'll have a fire under our ass, but they will have just rigged the system that it's just impossible to get anything done either way. Yeah, that's the that's the big thing about the news today is, I mean, it really, I see this today as being like a, 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 a why in the road. Are we going to head down the the road where this leads to an impeachment? Or are we going to head down the path that says this was a coup and it's done? Mm. Like, and the person that he puts in charge of the FBI just buries the squashes um, investigation. the investigation. He's in for at least the rest of his four years, and who knows what he can do with the backing of the Senate and the House and as many judges as he can get in. Oh God, Kennedy, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's it's today's. What happened today is extremely – it's extremely scary because it can go a couple different ways. Well, I've said it before on this show. That fucker is bulletproof sometimes. And it's, and unfortunately, I hear a story like this and I'm like, I just have this sickening feeling that nothing's going to come out of this. And there's also there's, – there's this – there's this sense that I have that this is all building. I mean he's been getting us used to this not normal for the past 108 days or whatever it is. And it's been getting consistently and steadily more outrageous, but we're so numbed to the outrageousness of the weeks before that it doesn't seem quite as outrageous. I mean, can you imagine if this had, if Obama had done something like this? Oh, oh my yeah. God. There would be calls for his head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There would you, immediately you would, be impeachment, impeachment hearings. You wouldn't be able to keep tinfoil on the shelves. No, <laughs> <laughs> but you you'd know. be surprised at the hypocrisy because I just was talking to a friend today and we weren't even I just we started on the Comey thing, which is a nothing thing. He says to him, he's like, oh, he's like, I would do that, too. If I if the guy was investigating me, I go, you're not worried about the investigation, though. He's like, well, there might be something there. But when I th that snowballed into a conversation about other things and um, we started talking about Jared Kushner and Ivanka being at the White House and having these positions. And I was like, you honestly would be comfortable if Hillary Clinton was president and Chelsea Clinton had a high-end position like that. And the hypocrisy is, of course I would. I'd have no problem with that. And I'm like, you're, you're fucking lying to me. Absolutely yep. lying. So yep. unfortunately, our hands are in the lives of other Republicans right now. They're the ones who are going to have to step up and help us. Until yeah. the midterm elections, yeah. Yeah, and, I was uh, just going to say what happens in 2018. Yeah, right. that could that could change a whole bunch of 
the outlook. I was curious with today's events, if any of you want to start placing your bets on the next six months or the next year. I know we had the Kentucky Derby this past weekend. If we want to have the Trump Derby or the uh, <laughs> Trump Comey Derby. Jared, Jared has been predicting 2018 Trump resignation for months oh, now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that instead of that sickening feeling, this is this is you seeing a door opening to your prediction coming true yet again, since you cursed me with President Trump. Oh, no, no, no. Well, first of all, listen, this is the world you live in. I'm from Earth One. I believe I'm in Earth <laughs> Two or Three right now. I slipped in somehow. This, no matter how this shakes out, Ian, I still am holding fast that he re- that he steps down from office within a year, year and a half. Job okay. done. It doesn't be- have to be this. Right. Now, depending on how this FBI thing shakes out and who's in charge and how this goes down, if the investigation gets squashed year, year and a half, if there's an actual uh, director of the FBI who's like, no, this investigation is still going on or there's other people still investigating it, could be a lot sooner. Because let's face it, there is something there. <laughs> I yeah. mean, if I don't know if anybody is still on the fence on this. <laughs> no, there, I mean, there's just, there's just no way. I, I, you could convict – like a regular person, Joe off the street, you could convict a person with the amount of evidence that – I mean it's all circumstantial. It's all like bits and pieces. But the amount of stuff that's here, you could get an indictment. There's no question. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, while we were talking, I did get an alert on my phone that uh subpoena was handed out for Michael Flynn. Yeah, I did From see a that. grand jury. Mm. Yeah. But it makes you wonder – if it makes you wonder too if the investigators are wanting to try to build such a strong case, like an airtight case, so that there is no wiggle room to get out of it. Yeah, I mean, so an, that invest- an investigation of this magnitude is going to take more time than we want. And Trump yeah. can avoid about a million lawyers. Yeah, you have to make it an airtight case because it's, it's – Yeah, and that was the thing I was thinking about too when I was watching the 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 two uh, – the Comey te- testifying and uh, Clapper and Sally Yates. I was like, well, there's got to be something there. I'm like, they wouldn't have expended all this fucking time and energy for nothing. You know, for hearsay and because that, you know, that's how Trump is. That's bullshit. It's nothing. It's it's a hoax. It's, you know, you meet with somebody here and now it's a big deal. And that's the thing that my, the my Trump supporter friends handed me. They're like, oh, you meet a guy and it automatically it's a problem. But I'm like, we're talking about the fucking FBI here. There has right. got to be something there. Yeah, they're not doing this out of spite because they hate Donald Trump. They're doing this because there's something there. So yeah. now that he's gone, what happens? Does this does it can can someone just go in there and be like, well, eh, I don't think there's anything there. We're done. Well, right now, the deputy's in charge, and the deputy, I think, is going to be more fervent about it, but how long is he going to last? Trump is going to pick someone, and then whoever he picks is going to fire that deputy. I'm telling you, these the people that work in the FBI who see what they're doing and know that they're doing a good thing, they need to save that information. They need to save it off as much as they can. And don't yeah. give it to WikiLeaks. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> And I think for the average, I think for the average atheist voter out there that is watching all this, and I find myself guilty of it as well, I'll spend three hours watching MSNBC and all the others and then walk away feeling totally deflated, like somebody just punched me in the gut. And then it's like, oh, I don't want to do any of this. I don't want to pay attention to it. And then, oh, by the way, an hour later, something just uh, attacked the separation of church and state, and you just don't have any energy to care about it. And I feel like this is just my unprofessional opinion, but I think atheist voters need to step away from this drama with the Russia and the investigation and all that and just let that all play itself out and stay focused on what we're trying to accomplish so that we don't get overwhelmed. I have a lot of atheist friends that have their feet in both. 
They try to be the atheist activist, but they also try to be the indivisible activist. Mm -hmm. And then they get home at night and they're like, holy shit, (laughs) I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And so my advice is you got to You got to be honest. What's more important to you taking on the Trump administration or standing up for something that is at your core? I try to compare it to recent movements. Obviously, the atheist movement is not you guys tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it's not even in the same planet as the civil rights movement because we aren't born atheists. It's not something when you walk into the room, it's easily discernible the way being an African-American is or even the LGBT movement because you can, you know, you can't walk in and, and right away tell somebody this and that. But at the same time, when you talked about earlier where we're at a we're at the Y in the road. Yeah. Those movements, those movements hit a Y several times. I mean, every night when they protested, they hit a Y and they had to ask themselves, do I keep, do I keep going? Is there a tomorrow? I feel like the atheist movement is, is like what Greta Christina says. We are the LGBT movement of the seventies right now. We are just starting to form legs. We are just starting to figure this out. We're kind of like a newborn deer where we're just trying to stand up and Hmm. frolic around. And I feel like don't get discouraged. Let's celebrate every goddamn victory that we get, even if it's just a simple day of reason proclamation from your your mm-hmm. mayor. Let's stay focused on what's important to us. I you do know, maybe make a list of three things that are important to you. I do agree with you somewhat, but at the same at the same token, and I'm going to use this to lead into my other news segment. I think that if you can staying active in both fields is is important and i understand and if if somebody is getting overwhelmed and they're feeling like well i can't do anything against trump and it's just too much to keep track of then sure i agree exactly with what you're saying but if you can keep active i mean whether it's trump or pence or whoever it is that's on the christian coalition side of the (laughs) argument i think we need to fight uh, politically as well. And luckily, this isn't a 503C, and I can say whatever I want against politicians. <laughs> um, and the reason I say that is because, uh, well, just example, uh, the thing that happened to Stephen Fry this week. I am very much worried at any moment about blasphemy laws. Mm-hmm. Now, the United States has never had blasphemy laws, and I want to keep it that way. But Stephen Fry was this last week being investigated for blasphemy charges in Ireland. And if, I don't know if you know who Stephen Fry is, he's a, he's a comedy. Yep. Yep. He's a comedian. He's very entertaining. But he, in an interview, he was specifically asked if, if the stories were true and you appeared before the pearly gates, what would you say to St. Peter? And he gave his response. And his response was basically bone cancer in children. Um, insects that eat children's eyes out from the inside. Who the fuck do you think you are that you can do this to us? Who the, who do you think you are that you're going to demand that we worship you for putting us through all this misery? And, uh, it's, if you get a chance to watch it, I'll put the link on the website. It's really, he's well-spoken, but he, uh, Ireland, they were investigating him on charges of blasphemy. And I don't know what the penalties are. But he's being investigated by a police organization, and the charges were eventually dropped. But what gets me the most is the reason the charges were dropped was because they were unable to find a substantial number of outraged people. <laughs> it's not because that they said that they you know found that he didn't commit blasphemy. It's that people weren't that mad. So 
Oh, congrats to, you know, the Irish people for not <laughs> coming yeah. up on this blasphemy thing. But at the same time, the idea that they still have a blasphemy law that most countries that are, you know, uh, Muslim majority countries definitely have blasphemy laws. I think this is something that we need to watch out for, because I guarantee you, if you get enough Christians in the government, you're going to start seeing blasphemy related laws. So I find I find the the whole idea of Pence being in charge just as dangerous, maybe not just as dangerous, but very very much a, a number two in danger for uh, the political realm. That will get me out of my ass with a torch in my hand, Washington. <laughs> so if that were to happen, well, I don't want to jump the gun on maybe a different story you were going to bring up, but if you saw over the last couple of days what Facebook was doing, it's yes. kind of related to that where a large group of folks didn't like what atheist groups were focusing on. And so the group's posts were being uh, limited to how many people could see them. And, you know, obviously Facebook is its own little company. It can do whatever it wants. But what happens when the government takes that same approach? Yeah, exactly. And these, uh, yeah, a couple of the Facebook, I did read this, a couple of the Facebook pages were specifically ex-Islam, ex-Muslim pages they were they're there to help people who were uh, muslim and are now not like i think one was north american ex-muslim now these people i mean they're being cut off so you have to they they're not being totally cut off i guess the way that it was worded they can still get to the the page but if the doesn't appear in their feed right Mm -hmm. nothing appears in their feed Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean i don't understand why a private business would uh, would decide to do that. I mean, it's like they're implementing their own kind of. We don't want people to have their feelings hurt, so we're mm-hmm. we're giving in to the the complainers, the people who want blasphemy laws. Well, it, it's all. Ba- I'm sure it's all is all automatic. So people have figured out that if you dislike things or complain about it enough, it gets minimized and pushed to the back. It's a, yep. just a way of silencing people. Some of it yep. was automatic, but this was actually uh, Facebook placed restrictions on mm. the groups. But probably, again, based on complaints. I don't want to start too long of a conversation on this, but uh, it really brings up the idea of what is Islamophobia and what isn't. Because if you're not allowed to criticize a religion without being called a bigot or a racist, which I don't even understand how you could be called a racist, (laughs) being Muslim is not a race, that's tricky as well. I don't understand how we've gotten to a point where uh, I'm going to butcher her name, but the former Muslim who's now a speaker, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Ayan Hirsi Ali. Yeah, they designated her like hostile to Muslims or Mm -hmm. to Islam. Mm -hmm. And for what? Because she criticized the religion? Islam is, yeah, much more sensitive to criticism than other religions. I think that would be fair to say. Sure. (laughs) It's about as... Politically correct as I can get on that. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's a big issue. I mean, especially when you consider what's happening to um, people that come out as ex-Muslims in countries like Iran and Pakistan and Saudi Arabia and Indonesia. I mean, it, being an apostate in these countries is is reason for being put to death, and they're being put to death. Mm-hmm. And what frustrates me is when all we hear about is stories about, oh, Muslims are being treated bad. Don't get me wrong. Some Muslims in some areas, especially in the United States, are being treated horribly even 16 years after 9-11. But like you just said, (laughs) why are bloggers being hacked to death 
for being secular bloggers or for being atheists in a Muslim country. And yet we are the intolerant ones. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That is a long conversation. Yeah, yeah it really, really is. is. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I can just throw out something, I was invited to speak on behalf of atheism at a uh, the oldest standing mosque in the United States, if I said that right. And they said, you know, this is a solidarity rally for Muslims and for Islam. And we want you to come down and speak on behalf of that. And so on one side, I'm sitting there going, okay, Islam is just as batshit crazy as all the other religions in the world. And the whole political entanglement that Islam is compared to other religions. I just have a lot of issue with it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I try to stand up for religious freedom as much as I can. The whole idea that you should be able to go to a mosque and believe whatever crazy ideas you want and have the freedom to do that in America is essential. I should be able to criticize your ideas, but at the same time, I'm going to stand up for you. It was very tricky coming up with the right words for that speech. <laughs> because how do you come across how do you come across as saying hey my muslim brothers and sisters i think what you believe is crazy and i have a lot of issues with it but by the way we are <laughs> we're atheists and we're just as hated as you <laughs> maybe actually, more I so. think we, actually i think we've jumped up this year i think yeah we did more, <laughs> i think they're more hated high five <laughs> <laughs> see, see Thanks, you next Trump. year <laughs> it's tough yeah, it, well, it it's is. like the same thing with hate speech. You know, I, you know, there's a lot of hate speech that I can't stand, like Milo or uh, mm -hmm. and Coulter. But when I hear that they get kicked out of places to speak, I'm just like, you fucking idiots. Do you know what you're yep. doing? <laughs> yep, I agree. Yeah, they deserve the right to speak. Everybody deserves the right to speak up so that we know how silly they are. Exactly. Yeah. Don't <laughs> exactly. ban them. Just stand out there and tell them they're wrong. Debate them. Yep. Another yeah. thing that uh, I, I'll link a video to this, uh, Majid Nawaz, if you uh, don't know who he is, he is a, a Muslim who recently wrote a book with Sam Harris about Islam. Uh, and he had a really good video up talking about Stephen Fry and the blasphemy laws. And the one thing that uh, the, that he stresses is that offense is not given. It is taken. If, if, you're, if you're saying something... It's the person that is being offended that is causing that offense. Like it's mm -hmm. there, they are the ones coming up with the offense. Like you can say something and 90% of the people in the room can agree with you. If 10% are offended, it, it's That's the, on them. It, it's on them. Now, <laughs> the, the, at the same time, he also said, you have the right to be offended, but you have no right to tell me or anyone else not to offend you. Mm. And I think the way he put it was, it was very well done. Like I said, I'll put a link up to his page. Kind of reminds me of what Dillahunty says about words, about how words don't actually have, I, I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> they don't really have meaning, but they have like cultural understanding. And as our society continues to progress, sometimes those meanings and understandings change and evolve. It's a very interesting thought. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I said something similar to that to uh, somebody that in our local FFRF group, and he's a linguistics major at the university, and he says, no, but, but words are the only thing that we have to express the meanings that are, exist only in our heads otherwise. It's the only means we have of communicating. So the, the words do have meaning and they do have impact because it is the only means we have of transmitting how we feel. I'm like, oh, well. Did yes. I tell you guys I take pictures <laughs> for a living? <laughs> 
I'm so glad there's linguistic experts out there that can tell me all that because I sure as hell don't know all that. <laughs> I hear those are worth a thousand words. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even need words in mine. <laughs> mm. you, you can certainly convey emotion in, in images. Absolutely. Sure. Yep. Yeah. And you can also convey a bunch of religious nonsense and get paid a lot for it, even though you're an atheist. <laughs> And the thing that I always try to tell people that are up my ass about, well, you know, you're just imposing your religion. Hmm. The thing I always say is, okay, when was the last time I turned away a kid because he wanted a picture of Jesus on his senior photo? <laughs> you know, when was the last time I told a wedding or, a, you know, a couple at a wedding that I wouldn't take pictures of them because they were having a wedding in a church? Yeah. You know, and just for the, true. just for the hell of it, there, there's a side of me that thought maybe I should just try it just to see what happens. Would I get the same, <laughs> would I get the same Kim Davis support? Would Mike Huckabee come and stand with me for my religious freedom? Hmm. Play survivor think- in the background. <laughs> 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 All right. But uh, I, I bet they, I bet they would be behind you though. If you refuse to uh, go take photographs at the, at a, at a Muslim in a mosque. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. What does that say? And about I think I, I think it'd be more fitting if I played like Warren's Heaven in the background. <laughs> I think that'd be more appropriate. <laughs> All right, uh, gotta have an eighties hair metal reference, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think we're well. We're not too long on time, but I think we're we're running out. Does anybody have anything else they want to bring up or uh, ask Justin while he's here? I'm satisfied. <laughs> I am. You guys right. need a smoke or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we. Can I mean, have- it was for. Per- yeah, it was pretty much the worst podcast interview I've ever been a part of. But other than that, I mean, it was, <laughs> I'm just teasing. No, that was fun. I, it was uh, it was very well thought out, and I appreciate the questions. And uh, you know, if there's anything I can do in the future for for your podcast or for your listeners or for that area, uh, even if it's just to inspire you on some of the things that we do, because sometimes we feel like we just kind of go it <laughs> one day at a time, and we kind of just learn as we go. You know, we're not professional activists. We just kind of, our group, the Eastern Iowa Atheists is something that um, I wanted to create so that it was less about me and it was more about other atheists and getting them out there and showing them how to do it and how to be successful in their towns. So we we welcome everybody to come check it out. I have one last question before you go. Now, Ray and Karen are very, very active, but Ian and I are pretty lazy atheists, I would say. (laughs) But are we slightly better than an atheist who does nothing because we do this show? I'm looking for some oh, confirmation. Yeah. All right, Ian, we're golden, <laughs> baby. We're doing our part. You guys, are doing, you guys are doing a thing that I don't do. I mean, I don't have the equipment. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the time to do a podcast. I've, I've thought about it, but I feel like as long as you're not sitting on your ass, as long as you're not being an internet warrior, as long as you're not being Captain Meme, you know, and just thinking that you're going to change the world with the the greatest use of impact font <laughs> which is just so like 2010 let's move on let's can we use a different font please <laughs> i uh i do find the the idea that if you go onto the facebook and just comment make atheist related comments to your atheist related friends on facebook it's kind of the same as a uh, christian going and praying first for something it's just it, it's a complete kind of slacktivism here. Oh, absolutely. It, it yep. makes you feel a little better. It makes you feel like you're doing something, but you're still just sitting there. <laughs> well, I, I think an important piece of this is connecting, you know, the, the Iowa atheist with the Pittsburgh atheist, with the state college atheist, with the Mill Hall atheist, with the Williamsport atheist, and get just getting people into a community where you're not alone and you're not, you know, struggling and you're not just 
trying to figure out what to do. You got a neighbor that you identified, oh, wait, I can go do something with that guy. And he's got a yep. great idea. And just yep. talking to people. Yeah. And you got to remember, too, success is relative. Mm. You know, maybe doing something in your neighborhood, going down the street and just, I don't know, knocking on doors to help the indivisible effort. And when somebody says, oh, tell me about yourself, you just say the word atheist. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know, I work at the college and I'm an atheist and blah, 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 blah. And they go, what? What did you say? <laughs> right, right there. They you're helping make it normal for the next person. Hmm. And that's powerful enough. And then once you, you walk away feeling like, okay, I did that. Then just keep challenging yourself. Try to find somebody that is a mentor for you and, and say, Hey, what have you done? And then try to figure out what are, what are you capable of doing? What are you willing to do? That's the thing with our group too. We understand that not everybody is cut from the same cloth that I am. Not everyone wants to go out and challenge a mayor or a governor or a presidential candidate. <laughs> but we always try to say, how can you contribute? Right. I mean, I mean you, and you guys aren't complete. You're not slacktivists anyway. You both, did you go out and do the um, vote monitoring? You do uh, election day stuff. Jared does. That's I right. I was a poll. I, I was a poll watcher for the yeah. Democratic Party. So I'm not a slacktivist. This is awesome. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's here's one thing. If you're a slacktivist, but you still want to try something, this is kind of a new way of doing it. Just be an investigator. Being being AI, basically, let's call it atheist investigator. Find five schools, uh, school districts in your area, five public school districts in your area, and start searching their Facebook page, and just See if you can find questionable things. See if you can find pictures that might have a picture of Jesus framed on their lunchroom wall. I know that sounds like a, a stretch, but you'll be surprised what you find. A lot of public schools will advertise the Good News Club or they'll mm. talk about Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And you'll find it that the uh, high school football coach is the one that runs it. And he is using the gym without actually applying for it or paying for it the way any other group would. And you can, put, you know, certainly pass that on to another atheist that's more willing to call them and say, hey, can I get a copy of the application form that the coach filled out? Mm-hmm. We actually did that around here and we busted a, a, a coach that was using his access as a gym teacher to utilize the gym to put on a religious event at the school after hours without paying for it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just little things like that where you're still accomplishing things. You may not be as visible. No one will hear about it. But sometimes, you know, everyone wants kind of recognition differently. You know, think about your workplace. Some people want a huge raise. Other people just want a post-it note put in front of them that says, hey, you're doing a good job. (laughs) Forget the post-it note. I want the money. But (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think I'm going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, If uh, any listeners have any comments or questions, please feel free to leave it on our website, profaneargument.com. You can also message us on Twitter at profanearg. Or you can email godless at profaneargument.com. Um, also, if you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways that you can support it. In addition to joining Audible, you can leave it reviews on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you happen to listen. You can share it on social media, or you can support it directly by picking up one of our Profane Argument t-shirts from our homepage. I'd also like to uh, suggest other podcasts that you might be able to listen to. If you're looking for other podcasts that are related to pop culture or comic books, you can find them on soon to be named network.com. Um, also on Tumblr. I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, I especially want to thank Justin for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Ray. 
I'm Karen. I'm Jared. This is Ian. Thank you. Good night. And may your God go with you.